2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at um, going to be looking at the topic of comforting one another. This is this is what I um, this was my message for the men's conference, and so for the men that uh, have already heard it, then uh, hopefully I'll stir up your remembrance. For the ones who haven't. I hope it'll be helpful. One of the things that I uh, mentioned at the uh, beginning of the men's conference, as far as the theme, and this falls in line with the theme, is that um, we ought to ask ourselves the question, We ought to ask ourselves the question. Let me get this plugged in. That's the problem. On a, some sort of basis. Of what should be, what should our normal interactions be like in the church? What's normal? Plug that, or we're just going to keep getting it. Flicker. What's normal? Is it normal that we would just get together um, listen to a message not really say much about it eat with each other have small talk pleasantries and then go home. Well you already know the answer to that. That's not normal. At least that's not what the New Testament says is normal. That's something that honestly is probably very normal in the culture that we live in. But, but whenever we look into the New Testament, we don't have to wonder what the normal church interaction is supposed to be like. The New Testament gives us, uh, there's some repeats in here, but the New Testament gives us 59 one another's that we ought to be working on as we fellowship with each other, things that we ought to be exercising, things that we ought to be doing. And so I I, I mentioned on Friday, and I'll mention it again, one of the blessings of having a body is that you don't have to be doing all 59 of those things at one time. We have an entire body, different gifts, different perspectives, different um, people who notice different things. But we ought to all be concerned with um, with exercising these, being involved in these one another's in our daily lives and in our daily interaction with um, fellow believers and particularly fellow church members. The one we're looking at tonight is comfort one another. We live in a fallen world, so there is plenty of opportunity for us to do this. Um, so let's turn to 2 Corinthians 1. And we're going to read three through six. And I'm going to kind of stay on this side. And if I, uh, of the, of the pulpit, if I end up drifting over here and my shoulder gets in the way, somebody say something. Okay. Brother Kurt told me last time. So if, uh, if he falls down on that, somebody else tell me. So I'll move out of the way. All right. Second Corinthians one, starting in verse three. 
It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And so this is a passage where, I mean, we could easily go on all kinds of rabbit trails here, but this is a passage where uh, the Apostle Paul is saying very clearly that part of the fellowship that we have with one another is in our suffering. And part of the fellowship that we have with one another is in our comfort. What do we mean by that? Well, as far as us having fellowship in our suffering, we could take that in a couple of ways. Number one, we could take it in a 1 Corinthians 10, 13 kind of way that there's no temptation that has overtaken you except that which is common to man. Okay, We suffer temptations in this world and um, the difficulties, the trials that we go through are common. And so it gives us a commonality. But there's also another aspect or another dimension to this as to the sufferings that we endure are giving, if we say it this way, are giving God the opportunity to comfort us so that we might turn around and comfort one another with the comfort that we've received from the Lord. Okay, That's all in verses 5 and 6 here. When he says in verse 6, um, whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, that is just your deliverance, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So part of what knits the body together is our shared suffering. That is, I share in your suffering, you share in mine, and then vice versa. I share in the comfort that you've received from the Lord because you're sharing that with me, and then you share in mine as I share that with you. And what I mean by that is the Lord is equipping me to comfort you as I go through difficulties, trials, and receive His comfort. We'll talk about that more later on. So when we think about this whole business of comforting one another, one of the things I think is it's necessary, I mean, it's necessary with any topic, but particularly this one, what does it mean to comfort? What does it mean to comfort somebody? Sometimes we can get frustrated and even intimidated because we think we're being called to do more than what we're actually called to do. We think that the Lord is is putting a burden on us that we just have no idea um, how it's going to be accomplished. Um, Comfort, at least ministering comfort, means that somebody's suffering. I mean, if there was no suffering, there would be no need for you to try to comfort. If, if there was no struggle, if there was no pressure, there'd be no need for you to comfort. 
But there is, there is suffering in the world. And suffering is painful. And, and suffering is, um, incredibly difficult. And so again, the question is, what is comfort? Well, as you get older, maybe this, or maybe I should say, as you go to more and more, um, funerals in your life, maybe it gets better a little, but there's always that awkward moment whenever you're showing up to a funeral of someone that you kind of know, but not really, and they've lost a loved one, and you're going through the greeting line and trying to come up with something to say, and you just can't figure it out. Okay, Maybe it's just me, but I don't think it is. Um, it's, it's awkward. What, what am I hoping to accomplish with my comment? What am I hoping to accomplish with my... Um, presence of being there, and so forth and so on. And the truth is, what I've come to learn, not just from experience, but even from what we're going to talk about in this topic, the truth is there is no magic thing to say. It matters very little what you say. What matters is that you showed up. What matters is that the person knows that by your presence and by your affections there, that you love them, that you care for them, that you're praying for them, what you say, more than likely, is not going to penetrate very far into the mind of someone who is standing over their loved one's casket. Because they probably had 50 that came before you and 150 coming after you, depending on the person. So that's not to minimize it, it's just to say the pressure's off. Nobody's recording sound bites at a funeral. The comfort comes because you're there and your presence expresses your love and care. It doesn't necessarily come because you had the perfect thing to say. So here again, what is comfort? Well, three words that we want to look at that we find in Scripture that um, the, the Greek word for comfort is commonly translated. Number one is consolation. Okay, that is that which comforts or refreshes the spirits. That which comforts or refreshes the spirits. Well, really what I want to get is the last part. It refreshes the spirits. Comfort is something that is refreshing to the spirit or the inner man. Number two, the word comfort just means to impart strength. To impart strength. Sometimes we think about comfort and we just think about, you know, having a shoulder that somebody can cry on, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes that is what comfort is going to look like. But primarily, comfort is not you allowing somebody just to cry on your shoulder and then move on. Comfort is you helping to impart strength into someone who is struggling, suffering. It's made up of really two root words in Latin, cum forte. If you're uh, familiar with music at all and and you hear the term forte, you know what that means. It means loud or with strength. Play, Play with strength here. And so comfort is to impart strength. The next word is encourage. Okay, encouragement is part of are one of the ways that the word comfort is used. And, and you guessed it, it means to impart courage. 
Okay, to give or increase confidence of success, to embolden with strength of mind. Okay, so you're refreshing someone's spirits or their inner man, their outlook. You're imparting strength or you're imparting courage, giving someone increasing confidence that they can move forward with strength of mind, maybe changing the way they view the circumstance that they're in. Now, there's a few observations about these definitions that we it's very important that we understand because this is where we can miss it so often. Number one, comfort does not eliminate suffering. Okay, that is not your job. When, when the Bible says comfort one another, that does not mean find somebody who's hurting and take away the hurt. It means find someone who's hurting and give them courage in the midst of that hurt. Find someone who's struggling, suffering, and impart strength to them. And we'll talk practically how we do that later. Find someone who's suffering and seek to refresh their spirits. So what it means is that the suffering that is present before we minister comfort is still present after we minister the comfort. I can't emphasize enough the comfort has nothing to do with whether or not the suffering is still present. You're not doing anything with the circumstance. You're trying to encourage the person who's by God's providence in the circumstance. Just another way of saying it, we comfort people in their suffering, not from their suffering, and it's important because if we aren't careful, we will try to eliminate what God is using for a sanctifying purpose in somebody's life. Okay, so turn to Romans 5. This is one that you're familiar with, but sometimes we can forget about this when we're trying to think through, how do I bring comfort here? What should be my goal? What am I aiming for? In Romans 5, verse 3, he says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So if you work that progression backwards, okay, if you think about the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts and us not being ashamed that our hope is in Him, okay, that's good. That's something we would all want. That's something that we would want for other people. That I want to be... I want to be my I want my trust to be so strong in the Lord that I don't second guess his goodness when I go through trials. We would want that for anybody. Okay, but that hope, that kind of trust doesn't happen without experience. The word experience there could also be translated as it's character, but it's a character that's forged through the experience that we go through. That's why testimony is so powerful. 
Okay. Not just your testimony, but the testimony that you hear from other people. But what's, what's really being talked about here is that the things that the Lord will allow to come into your life, the experiences that forge your character are necessary before you ever get to that step of not being ashamed of the hope that you have and the love of Christ that's shed abroad in your heart. Okay, and, and before you can have that experience, that experience that forges character, you've, you've got to have patience or endurance. Blessed is the man who goes all the way through the trial. He will receive a crown of glory, James says. Okay. So often we are tempted in the midst of people's suffering to try to focus only on how can I alleviate this as quickly as possible. If we alleviate it, if we don't have the ability to do it, but if we did have the ability to do it, think about how much we would be shortcutting sanctification according to Romans chapter 5. Tribulation works or produces endurance. Endurance, as difficult as it is and as painful as it is, produces experience. That is, experiencing God's goodness, God's grace, God's provision, God's presence in the midst of difficult times. And that experience produces hope that makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So we comfort people in their suffering, not from their suffering, because what God is doing in their suffering is good, even though it doesn't feel good at the time. And he's going to use us to play a part in that as far as comfort goes. We'll talk about what that part is. Comfort does not fix. It was never supposed to fix. Comfort sustains. Okay. Comfort doesn't fix the situation. It sustains the person in the situation. And all we really have to do on whenever we're thinking about this is just try to answer the question, who is it who's sovereign over the events of our lives? God, right? Who is it that just says it and it comes to pass? Well, the Lord, that's, that's Him. Well, if God's sovereign over the events and circumstances of our lives and I'm not, then what am I doing trying to fix somebody's circumstances? I don't have the ability to do that but I can sustain them. That is, I can try to impart courage. I can try to impart strength as they go through what God has allowed as far as comfort is concerned. So the goal of comfort is endurance produced by hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. As Paul is thanking God for these brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, one of the things that he mentions is, the, is the, uh, the patience or endurance that they have that's produced by hope. This is the goal. The goal is that we help people keep going, not turn back, not lose heart, but they continue to move forward. Why? Because of hope. Right? We have a living hope. We of all people are hopeful people because if the Lord has given us His Son, Jesus Christ, will He not with Him give us all things? 
Okay, so we we're, hope is not just this wishful thinking or or turn your frown upside down or some sort of a shallow something. Hope is the God of the universe sent His Son to redeem me from the corruption of my own heart and the corruption of this world. And He has saved me and He has drawn me to Himself. And He's using and orchestrating the events of my life to conform me more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. And even though this is difficult right now, you can say with Paul, I know that this will lead or turn to my salvation. In other words, this is just one more ingredient in God's work in conforming me to the image of Christ, whether that means I'm walking closer to Him, I'm trusting deeper in Him, whatever that means. But it's endurance produced by hope. So biblical comfort encourages enduring, obedient, hope-filled walk with God in the midst of suffering and pain. That's what biblical comfort is after. And you'll, have, you'll notice here, um, when we're trying to minister comfort to people, they have to decide to do with, they have to decide to take the comfort and do something with it. That makes sense. You may be try, you may be ministering comfort the best way you know how and in a way that is very skillful and the person may not do anything with it. You can't control that. Okay? You can't control that. Uh, but what you can do is know what your target is, know what you're aiming for, and that is enduring, obedient, hope-filled walk with the Lord. So Hebrews 10.36, he tells the the writer of Hebrews, uh, tells the audience that you have need of patience or endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So we have endurance there. We have hope there. We have obedience there. And so this is the this is the same same thing that we're trying to minister when we're ministering comfort. Okay, now this this goes with what I said earlier about you can minister all you want, but the person is going to have to to do something with it. Now the question is, what is our source of comfort? And by the way, I mean take notes if it helps you. But if you want the slides, I'm happy to send them to you. What is our source of comfort? Well, 2 Corinthians 1.3 tells us, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God is the source of all comfort. So the comfort that we're seeking to minister, the comfort that we're trying to minister, is the kind of comfort that comes from God. Now, there's all kinds of different avenues for comfort. If we're thinking about comfort as the alleviation of pain, okay, people, people use all kinds of things for that. Addictions are simply a, a route for people to try to, to receive comfort by alleviating or numbing pain. Okay. Um, we could we could um, go a little more sanitized than that as far as things that we don't think are way off on the deep end, but you know, just 
vegging out in front of a TV forever is a way that some people try to numb pain through entertainment. Another common one is just withdrawing from people so you don't have to talk and you don't have to hear people ask how you're doing is another one of those ways that people try to find comfort by just removing themselves from the pain. But in reality, when we're thinking from a biblical perspective, none of those things are comfort because none of those things are encouraging endurance based on hope and the promises that the Lord has given us. They don't impart strength. They don't impart courage. They certainly don't refresh the spirit. So the God of all comfort, he's our source. And then 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 16, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So he prays here that. Jesus Christ and God our Father, who has loved us, who's given us everlasting consolation, one of the words we looked at earlier, and hope that they would comfort our hearts. Okay, here's here's the other reality. We've already mentioned it, but I'll mention it again. God is sovereign in the administration of comfort. We can point people to the Word, We can point people to the promises. We can show up and we can do our best to comfort people in some of the ways we're going to talk about when we get to the practical part of this. But the source of comfort is Jesus Christ Himself. The connection that your brother and sister needs in order to receive comfort is not primarily their connection with you. It's their connection with the throne of grace. It's their connection with the Lord Jesus Christ who communes with our spirits, with our souls in a real way, who knows how to impart strength and courage. Okay, So he's our source of comfort. We can grow in our skill as far as tactics and ways that we would try to do this, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, we've got to remember he's our source as far as substance, and he's our source as far as this is where this person needs to be if they're going to actually receive comfort. So our uh, our source of comfort is a person. Our source of comfort is a person. Look in Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. Speaking of Jesus Christ, I'm going to back up to verse 16. Speaking of Jesus Christ in verse 16 of Hebrews 2, it says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. That's just he took upon himself flesh, human form. Okay. Um, Verse 17, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, 
to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Now, it says in verse 17 that it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Okay, that word behooved there, it, really, it just means that it was necessary for him to be made like unto his brethren. Now, when we say it that way, and that's what the word behooved means, but whenever we say it that way, it doesn't mean that he painted himself into a corner and that was all he could do. What it means is that in order for him to be the kind of high priest that he wanted to be, and in order for us to be confident in that, he was willing to take on firsthand the kind of trials, suffering, temptations that we take on so that he could minister to us. The word in verse 18, he is able to succor them that are tempted because he suffered. The word there, succor, means that he's able to provide just the right help at just the right time in just the right way. So that Jesus Christ, our comfort, knows from firsthand experience what it's like to suffer and from firsthand experience ministers to his people in just the right way. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's not, he's not, um, stone cold toward his people. He's not, he's not the, uh, he doesn't stand, um, aloof as some sort of a, uh, some sort of a clinical stance where he's diagnosed your problem and he throws down the, the solution and that's that. No, he's merciful. He's compassionate. He has, he has all options um, at his command. And yet, as a merciful, compassionate, first-hand experienced high priest, he suffers his people. He gives you just the right thing at just the right time in just the right way. Isn't that wonderful? Okay. That's not you doing that. That's Christ doing that. Our source of comfort is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And so we'll talk about this whenever we get to the practical side, but if this is the case, one of the ways that we're going to be trying to comfort people is by trying to encourage their walk with the Lord. Is by trying to encourage them to take their pain and their suffering and their difficulties to Jesus Christ. Why? Because He gives just the right help at just the right time. That's why. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Where is it that we find grace to help in time of need? It's at the throne of grace. That's where. Who is it that sits at the throne of grace? Well, it's our high priest who's compassionate, who sympathizes with our struggles. It's our high priest who was tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. He stands ready at the throne of grace to give help in our time of need. So our source is a person. Number two, our source of comfort is a message. Source of comfort is a message. 
we're talking about the gospel message at this point. So Isaiah 40, 1 through 2, comfort you, comfort you, my people. The Lord has, if you if you go and read the passage, the Lord has has dealt with your sin. You say, well, that's a that's a strange message for people who are suffering. No, it's not. If our source of comfort is God, then the best news that we could have is that the Lord has already dealt with the wall that stands between us and Him. That we've been reconciled to Him. We are at peace with Him or He is at peace with us through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's through this message of comfort that we can come to Him with confidence, Hebrews chapter 4, knowing that He stands with a disposition of mercy and grace. Matthew 11, He says, Come to Me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Okay, this is the message that Jesus Christ gives rest. Well, I don't have to ask you this. You already know. But just as a hypothetical question, when you're in a season of, of um, suffering, prolonged suffering, is rest something on your radar? Yeah. Yeah. Rest is something. I'm not talking about the sleepy kind of rest, although that's helpful too. But so often, whenever we're sleepless in our suffering, it's because of a soul that's so busy and so torn up that we just can't turn it off. Jesus says, if you come to me, I can give you rest. Romans 5.1 It's a reality that through faith we have been made to be at peace with God. So as we come to Him, we can experience the peace the Lord gives through His Son, Jesus Christ. Not only is our source a a person that is God the Father, our source is, and Jesus Christ, our source is a message, the Gospel. Our source of comfort is also the paraclete. This is another person here, but that's the Holy Spirit. Um, In John 14, 16, Jesus says, and you can turn there, all these are going to be in John, so you can turn there and we'll look, but he he refers to the Holy Spirit as the Comforter, which could also be translated the Helper. Okay, but the, the Greek word for Comforter is the word paraclete. And it's the same root word that is translated Comfort in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, parakaleto, it's the same root. And so Jesus, as he refers to the Holy Spirit here in John 14, 16, he says, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, when he says another comforter, That phrase there means another comforter. Another is another like me. Jesus says, I'm going to send you, I'm going to pray to the Father, and I'm going to send you another comforter who's like me, but he's going to abide with you forever. He's going to indwell you. We're thinking about how the Holy Spirit abides with his people. So he will abide. Second, in John fourteen twenty six, it says, But the Comforter, 
which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay, so if the Holy Spirit's name here that Jesus is referring to him as is the Comforter, then we would do well to pay attention to what the Comforter is doing to administer that comfort, right? And we'll talk about that more on the practical side, but number one, he's abiding with us, the source of confidence that he's with us. Number two, he will teach you and bring to remembrance the things that Christ had spoken. This is in reference here to the uh, the apostles who had been with him. He's going to teach you all things and he's going to bring to remembrance the things that Christ has said. So there's this ministry of comfort to where you're being taught or reminded of biblical truth. You know, there's, there, there, our, our, our source of comfort, we've already said, is a message, but one of the ways that we receive that comfort and one of the ways that we are spurred on to endurance is as we begin to see our circumstance from God's perspective when we begin to see not just the resources that God has given us to get through, not just glimpses of what God may be doing in the midst of this circumstance, but as we begin to be brought to remembrance and, and the Holy Spirit begins to shine the light of illumination on the Word and connects it to our experience, then we, it produces endurance. We can be comforted. We can be strengthened. We can find courage in, in times that we're tempted not to, uh, not to endure. All right, John 15, 26. Same thing here as he refers to him as the comforter. He says, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Okay, the comforter testifies of Christ. What does that mean? It just means that he points us to Jesus. It points, he points us to Jesus. The Spirit does not bear witness of himself. The Spirit is always bearing witness to Christ. Okay, And then last, in John 16, 7 through 8, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth is it ex it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness and of judgment. And so he's going to bring conviction of sin. Does that seem like a strange thing? Strange category for us to have in a talk about comfort? Yeah, most of us don't think that way. Okay, but one of the jobs, one of the, the, the four categories that we learn that the Holy Spirit works in to bring comfort to His people is to bring conviction of sin. And so, we're not gonna, we'll, we'll look at this next week as far as how do we apply this, but I'll go ahead and and let the cat out of the bag, categorically what we want to do is we want to think through the categories of how the Holy Spirit ministers comfort 
and then try to work within those categories. So the ministry of presence, the ministry of the word, testifying of Christ, and then encouraging people to deal with personal sin. So comfort one another, comfort one another. As far as tonight goes, we've just kind of laid the basis for anything practical. You've heard this before, but um, all of our practice, okay, everything that we do in practice needs to have a foundation of theology, doctrine. Okay, So what we've done tonight is laid the doctrinal foundation for how do we comfort? What's appropriate biblical comfort? What should we be thinking about? It's not alleviating pain. It's imparting courage and it's imparting strength. Um, and then the source is God, Christ, uh, God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Word, the message, the paraclete. And so whenever we come together next week, we're going to look at how do we tie that all together and actually do it in a way that is consistent with Scripture and honoring to the Lord and helpful to our brothers and sisters. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, um, we do thank You for Your Word and we thank You that You have um, equipped us in these areas where You've called us to serve. Um, I pray that we would grow, not just in our understanding, but also in our um, uh, administration of trying to comfort those uh, who you send our way. Uh, Lord, we thank you that our source of comfort is you, that you're the God of all comfort, that you've comforted us in all of our troubles. You're so faithful. And so, Father, I pray that as we've received that comfort, you would bless us to grow and how to um, take it and minister it to other people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.